Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. You know, we're midsummer. How's your pastures looking right now? You know, they look so good for this time of year. We've actually had a fair bit of rain. Um, oh, so good. I have like okay. more grass than I know what to do with, which is <laughs> not normally the case this time of year. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, I just I just ask because in August, it's really where we start to see a, a decline, right? And we, we do have uh, articles and podcasts on summer pasture management, so you can look those up. But it just you know, looking at the time of year, I was thinking, okay, what do we have with management wise? And definitely summer pastures is one. But today we're talking about something different, going back to some of the basics that I think maybe going back to Pony Club, you know, FFA, 4-H stuff, but it, it this is so important, right? Talking about basic equine digestive anatomy. Yeah, and I think sometimes just remembering how it all works helps put some of the perspective in place for why we recommend the management, the management strategies that we do. It kind of helps it all make sense. No, absolutely. It, it always, uh, when you understand the the anatomy, then the decisions that you make, it, it really clicks. So I think this is going to be a really good review uh, for our listeners just on basic anatomy and, and from a nutritionist standpoint, you know, some of the highlights. So I guess one of the, the broad questions to start this all off is, you know, as an owner, the why, okay, why do I need to know how this digestive system works? Like we're, we're telling them it's important, but why, what are some of the reasons? I think the biggest reason is because the horse's digestive system is just incredibly delicate. I mean, it's not really the best design and we all know how scary the idea of colic is. And, you know, colic is this grouping. We've done whole podcasts on it of just like things that go wrong in the digestive system that cause pain. And there's lots of places it can happen. So I think just kind of understanding how it generally works helps you understand the management strategies that prevent the issues that happen in all the different places. Um, so that's, you know, kind of my perspective on why we need to know the why. Yeah, exactly. And I, it, it, sitting there, you know, knowing the intense hours that you went through to get your PhD and, and why we have equine nutritionists and, and why you study what you do is a lot because of this digestive anatomy. It's so unique. And I, I, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you that it, it, it's why we do a lot of the stuff that we do that you you have talked about the last couple of years. So I guess starting at the mouth and moving backwards, what is unique? What's going on in the mouth with the horse? Why do we need to know what's going on in the mouth and the horse? So one of the things you learn like is the different prehensile organ, basically how do animals get their food? And it, it differs, you know, cows and horses, from a distance maybe look pretty similar, but the way they actually consume their food is different. So with the horse, they're using their lips and they're able to sort things super effectively. Um, If you've ever actually watched a picky horse, like they can, if you have multiple different types of feeds in a textured feed, they could like eat everything but one pellet. And you're like, how did they do that? It's because their lips are super nimble. So they use their lips, they use their tongue, they use their teeth. Uh, Part of the reason that horses are kind of tough on pastures is because they do just take grasp 
they grasp grass. That's a tough one to say. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. They grasp grass with their teeth and like yank it out. So that's part of why they're so damaging to pastures and we have to manage those. But they are really effective at sorting through their feed. And then from there, they use their teeth for mechanical breakdown of feed. And that's why, you know, one of the things we focus on is dental care in horses, making sure that all of that is healthy to allow them to do that. And when they're chewing, they produce saliva. And one of the big components of saliva is bicarb. So that saliva creates a bolus that helps the feed particles slide down the esophagus, so makes it slippery. But it's also putting this buffer directly into the stomach of the horse. So the mouth is the first part, and it it does a lot of important things. I mean, there are research studies that have looked at like how much saliva is produced when a horse chews and when we change the types of feed, how big a difference is there in the amount of saliva produced. Like it's some fascinating kind of foundational work that's been done all around the mouth. Yeah, it is. It is important. It is important. And it always, and then just management, it's always, you know, get your horse's teeth checked every year, floated, all of that. Cause if they can't chew, then we lead to, to, issues down the pipe that we're going to talk about next, which is the stomach. And the stomach's super unique in the horse again, right? Compared to a lot of other herbivores. Sure. And I'd say you kind of missed the pipe, literally. Yeah. Okay. The esophagus. I forgot. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about the pipe and then get into the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So pun not intended. Uh, The esophagus in the horse, it's super long, like four to five foot long. It's very narrow. And the interesting part about it is it only goes one way. So we can send feed from the mouth down to the stomach. You or I, we can regurgitate, we can vomit. The horse can't do that. And that that is the root of some of the digestive issues we see with a horse. You know, for example, if there's a blockage further down in the small intestine and you have fluid and feed build up in the stomach, there's nowhere for it to go unless you run a nasogastric tube. Whereas, you know, it would be bad for us, but at least in terms of the stomach, we can empty our stomach. The horse can't do that. Uh, you know, the one thing that we need to think about too, that's interesting with the horse is that a horse can choke and still be breathing. So one of the things that goes wrong, if they bolt their feet or if their teeth aren't great and they have this chunk of feed that doesn't have enough saliva to help it run through the esophagus smoothly, it can get stuck. And you might not notice it because it's not like a human where they can't breathe at the same time that they have something stuck in their throat. Horses continue to breathe, but they can have an esophageal blockage. So that's another thing just to be aware of. But let's assume that feed goes from the mouth through the esophagus properly and it gets to the horse's stomach. You know, the horse's stomach relative to its size is tiny. Uh, only, you know, a couple, two to four gallons on average. And think about that, like a gallon Ziploc baggie, two of those in your giant horse. Yeah, I know. And the reason the horse's stomach is so small is that they are designed to be trickle feeders. So they're designed to be grazing up to 20 hours per day. So they didn't need a big capacity because they weren't meant to eat a large meal at any given time. So that's one of the reasons that one of our management considerations is meal size for the horse when we feed grain. But the horse, you know, unlike you or I, because they're trickle feeders, they have some unique mechanisms. One being that they don't store stuff, right? Things, we'll talk about stuff in the small intestine, specifically in the stomach, it's acid, are secreted continuously. 
you and I are meal eaters. So when we get ready to sit down for a meal, there are signals that are sent to our body to release acid in the stomach because it's getting ready to digest food. Horses have that secretion of acid continuously because they're meant to be trickle grazing continuously. So putting grass into the stomach, having that saliva with its bicarb flowing into the stomach to help balance that pH. The reason the stomach is acidic, a couple reasons, one, to initiate digestion of feed. Um, Two, it's to prevent pathogens from reaching the lower GI tract. So that acidic environment enables the killing of like bad stuff from getting to the lower GI tract, bad bacteria, things like that. Um, But you know, the way we manage horses today isn't always conducive to that. And we, of course, I know we've talked about ulcers quite a bit, but when you have a lot of acid, nothing to buffer it, that forage mat not in the stomach to help um, protect the upper part of the stomach from acid splashing up, we can get ulcers. So only the bottom part of that stomach has this nice mucus that protects it from acid. The upper portion of the stomach does not. So when we see that type of issue where like horses don't have hay for long periods of time, or maybe they're exercised on an empty stomach, unfortunately, the continuous acid secretion results in acid getting in the parts of the stomach that aren't protected from it, which is one of the types of ulcers that horses can develop. It's not the only way, but it is a big contributor to gastric ulcers in horses. Yeah, no, I know. It's fascinating when I know you talked about that in a previous podcast. Uh, it was very, very fascinating to talk about how to manage those uh, that every every owner should listen to. Now, we're still in the foregut, right? So the next is the small intestine. And obviously, the, it always seems like that gets passed over in the horse and in most species, but it's like so important. The small intestine is like one of the most important parts of the digestive system, isn't it? Oh, gosh, yeah. So this is where the majority of digestion and absorption of a lot of nutrients occurs. So what happens in the small intestine is you kind of pretty quickly move feed from the stomach into the small intestine. The majority of the feed empties the stomach pretty rapidly. And then you have transit through the small intestine. And depending on the part of the small intestine you're in, it's actually divided into three parts. You have different, um, basically, breakdown in the front of the small intestine of nutrients. And as you go further back, you start absorbing the things that you broke down but you have these enzymes and there's lots of different enzymes. There's enzymes to break down protein, break down fat, uh, break down some of your carbohydrates, but not your fiber. That all happens in the small intestine as well as absorption of your vitamins, most of your minerals, all of those things happen in the small intestine. So when it's not functioning properly, uh, you certainly don't get maximum digestive um, absorption of all those nutrients that you need. The other thing to realize is it feeds continuously moving through the small intestine. The small intestine in the horse is like 70 feet long, crammed in a really small space. I know, I know. Um, And then, you know, one of the things that can happen is if there's inflammation or a blockage, like it's a pretty narrow tube. Um, So when you have disruptions in motility, things like that, then you get colic issues coming from the small intestine specifically. Not a good thing. Yeah. So one of the things I always found fascinating with horses, and and, and it goes back to the trickle feeding, is digesting fats, bile production, no gallbladder, right? They have nowhere to store it. It's constant. It's constant secretion of bile. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we have a gallbladder because we meal feed and it stores that bile until our 
digestive system is ready to use it. But like you said, constant secretion in the horse. And, you know, this is one of those digestive physiology things. So, you know, we look at the physiology of the horse and then we develop nutritional programs, management, et cetera, based on that. This is one of those where originally we didn't really think the horse could digest high fat diets. They didn't have a gallbladder. Their natural diet is low fat. The fascinating thing that was learned over time is that if you increase the amount of fat in the horse's diet, they're going to upregulate production of bile acids and, you know, the other necessary stuff, the enzymes to break down fat, all of that, that allows them to break down more fat than is in their natural diet. So that's a cool one where the, the physiology said, oh, these things aren't made for high fat and you can put too much fat in the diet. Um, but certainly we can put a lot more fat in their diet than you would see them consuming in nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what one of the things that makes horses so unique is this hindgut, these hindgut fermenters. And, and we've talked about it. We've talked about pre and probiotics and the microbes back there. But it just seems like there's so much going on in the hindgut. You know, that's why I said like the small intestine is so important, but it doesn't seem like there's, I, I, we don't, I guess we don't have tons of issues there, but gosh, we could have a ton of issues in the hindgut, right? Oh, absolutely. So just let's think about it in pure capacity. So the cecum is anywhere from 12 to 15% of the total digestive tract. And then the colon is 40 to 50%. It's massive. <laughs> when we talk about the hindgut, we're usually just talking about them together because um, they have shared functions as it moves through. So, I mean, you're you're at over 60% of your total capacity is the hindgut of the horse. Now, this is similar, not the same, but similar in some ways to the rumen of the cow. So it's this fermentation vat. The big difference, the rumen is at the front end of the cow. Obviously, the hindgut is at the hind end of the horse. So, you know, the same ultimate thing is happening, which is breakdown of fiber, fermentation. So I mentioned that you have all these digestive enzymes that are secreted in the small intestine. These are the mammalian enzymes. So they're produced by the horse itself. The horse's main diet is fiber, but it doesn't actually have the enzymes to break down the fiber itself. So it relies on all these microbes that live in the hindgut of the horse, the cecum and colon. So if we're looking at the order things go, we go from the stomach through the small intestine. That's relatively rapid transit, you know, one and a half, two hours to get through the small intestine. Then feed goes to the hindgut where stuff's there longer. Um, And actually it's pretty variable depending on the quality of the diet, something we actually talked about in our hay belly podcast. But you go from the small intestine into the cecum. So the cecum is the site of a lot of your fermentation. So lots of microbes live there. They're breaking down your fiber into short chain volatile fatty acids. Those are a fiber source. We go from the cecum into the large colon. So in the large colon, I mean, you're still going to have some fermentation. Like it's not like it just shuts off, but this is as we move further back, similar to the small intestine, you're, you're now focused more on absorbing the things that are available. So we have absorption of water, electrolytes. So this is an example of like a lot of our minerals are absorbed in the small intestine, your electrolytes in the hindgut. And then those volatile fatty acids that we've made from fermentation In order for them to fuel the horse, to maintain their body condition, to fuel bodily systems, for them to do work, we need to get them from 
inside the digestive tract into the blood side so it can send to all those places. So that absorption occurs in the large colon. And then as you move from the large colon to the small colon, you know, in the small colon, we have that final level of water absorption and we're ending up with fecal balls. So one of the kind of neat things we have in equine research is what what I call cannulated horses. So we can put a a rubber port in the side of the horse that lets us access that hindgut directly. It's like a window into their digestive tract. And in the front end of the hindgut, it is soup. Okay. Like real soupy. I I like to call it pre-poop. And then as you move through the large colon and the small colon, you take more of that water out. And then you go from the small colon and then kind of out the back end of the horse, you have those actual fecal balls. And where we see variability in manure, part of that is related to like how much of that water is being reabsorbed in the colon. If we're not absorbing the water, we end up with diarrhea. If they're dehydrated and they're trying to conserve water, you can end up with these really, really hard, dry fecal balls. Neither is a good thing. And then sometimes it has nothing to do with water intake, but like other stuff is going wrong with the horse. And for that reason, we see changes in the amount of water reabsorbed in the colon. No, ah, that's good. Yeah, no. And I think that that's, that's the, uh, the light speed version of the digestive tract of the horse. So that was really good. That was really good. Any final thoughts on it though? I mean, a lot, it, it, it's good to, to put this in the listeners ear. They could visualize it. They understand what what's going on now. When we go back and listen to some of the past podcasts and then the future ones, you know, when we talk about the colon, you know, what's going on with their like the diarrhea podcast we just did a few months ago. I, I hope that helps people. But any final thoughts on the digestive system or tips or anything for the for the listeners? So I think just keeping in mind, you know, we always talk so much about forage, just just remembering that 60% of the horse's digestive tract is really designated for digestion of forage. And I think that helps put into perspective the fact that we need so much forage in the horse's diet. I'd say as a number one feeding management tip that when I go troubleshoot things, I'm almost always saying more or better quality forage, you know, because a lot of the issues that we see related to digestive upset are a function of the quantity or the quality of forage, whether it's due to issues in the stomach because we're leaving it empty for too long, or we're not feeding either enough or enough quality forage to the hindgut of the horse to keep all those microbes that live in the hindgut healthy and happy. They have a super important job in digesting that fiber. And unfortunately, when the balance of those microbes, when it gets upset, things, you know, they, they go very poorly for the horse. And remember, it's because it's such a big part of their digestive tract. So if we just keep those things in mind, I think it makes a lot of that other stuff make sense. Um, and hopefully helps you interpret kind of some of the issues you might be seeing in your feeding management program. If you listen to this and you go, oh God, I don't feed my horse in a way that's, you know, really matches with the way they're designed. I mean, it's a great way to give yourself a bit of a gut check and say, am I managing and feeding my horse in a way that goes with the way it's designed or am I fighting it and making things harder by not doing so? No, that's really good. That's really good, Nicole. And uh, thank you for for all the tips and, uh, you know, what you're doing uh, to help horses lead happier and healthier lives. I mean, that's why we do this podcast. So thank you to the listeners. You know, thank you for sharing this on social media. 
please keep those comments coming on Facebook. And don't forget, you know, we always put the contact us link in the show notes. If you have any questions about your feeding plan, what you're doing in your operation or suggestions for the podcast, please contact us. But yeah, thanks so much. And uh, stay tuned for a great episode next week. Thanks, Chris.